What is up, Zain Men and Memon? My apologies. Uh, I'm glad to uh, have you on my podcast. Welcome to the Vinamrit Kasana Show. I'm also glad to see that both of us have had uh, recent haircuts. Not exactly bald, but almost there. The, the clips that I've seen of you have a very vibrant mm-hmm. hairstyle. So, so what's up with that? Is that to combat the heat? Uh, was, yeah, just to combat the heat and uh, just to be just just to be neat and not uh, worry about combing my hair every day. Yeah, I'm so glad yeah. to be talking to you finally. I've been following a podcast, and it's great to talk to you finally. Thank you, man. Likewise, this has been in the making for a while uh, because of the mm-hmm. fucking cyclone in Mumbai and and elsewhere in Western <laughs> India, we couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad to have you on here. The first thing that I want to sort of address is because mm-hmm. you know it, it's weird. People still don't mind other people's WhatsApp statuses to see who they are, right? But your breeds, <laughs> stupid people shouldn't breathe. Yeah. Right? And it, mm-hmm. it's that yeah. sort of polarizing About that. statement. Yeah, yeah. Is that in jest, or are you actually, you know, believe that? Talk to me about that. So it's I put it up when I first got WhatsApp in 2010 or yeah. something when the status first happened. Uh, it's yeah. partly in jest. Uh, it's a very loaded statement to make, and I and I don't for a second stand for uh, eugenics of any kind. So let's let's get out that out of, out of the way. <laughs> yeah, who's who's the thinker who who, who uh, talks about that? Charles Murray, that's his name, right? I don't know. There have been tons of thinkers about different kinds of eugenics, and I don't subscribe yeah. to any of them, or any of the any of the popular, problematic ones. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just in jest. It's also, uh, it's just uh, I put it up in a time when I was a little angsty, younger yeah. Yeah. self, where I just hated on uh, people not. <laughs> uh, making the wisest uh, wisest choices and uh, i think that reflects in the politicians they have elected yeah man that 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 is a loaded statement itself <laughs> <laughs> um you know you know what's fascinating about about that is it, it, it does it does show um, a very clear like the idea of breeding itself is is you know a biological statement right like you're not saying mm-hmm. super people should 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 die or super super people should read more books you're saying super people should not breed right and and so uh, what i want to sort of get at first of all is mm-hmm. this idea of games right uh, based mm-hmm. on the research that i was doing on you i bought two board games for myself and my family to see to mm-hmm. see how our own you know family dynamics play out in board games see who cheats mm-hmm. in that which ones it, you know i live in faridabad here so it's like i, I got <laughs> shitty games because the only toy shop that was open had like business mm-hmm. which is the counterfeit version of monopoly and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Um, I had the classic chess, so so it was uh-huh. interesting to see that. But talk so to me, talk different to me. end of yeah. spectrum entirely. Uh, uh, so interestingly, now they're talking about business and Monopoly was built, I think, thirty four, as a yeah. criticism for modern day crony capitalism. But I think somewhere along the line that we lost the plot on that messaging. Uh, uh, games have have been very fascinating to me because. Uh, my inquiry has always been in how do we how do we learn better how do we uh, upgrade ourselves uh, regularly and that uh, inquiry has led me down multiple paths from behavioral economics to uh, to evolutionary biology to uh, to to mainstream media mm-hmm. uh, it always fascinated me to wonder why 
we played games and uh, to answer that question it is very important to understand that when we say why do we play games the we is not just the human species but uh, most higher order animals uh, if you notice cubs kittens lions they all play games and why why are so many species playing um, it's very rare that a species or multiple species do something that does not have any evolutionary benefit to them hmm. uh, so if not now at some point playing must have had a uh, evolutionary of basis to be naturally selected and that basis was this the modern world or trying to modern world life in general is is very very high stakes yeah uh, a single misstep could mean losing out on the hunt and going hungry or worse being hunted mm-hmm. in such an eventuality how do you train for the moment of hunt Uh, you train by lowering the stakes of the hunt by hunting in jest and that's what most primitive games were uh, the games you see your cats and dogs play the games we play as children are a tag a hide and seek uh, are throwing stones we are preparing for uh, we are preparing for the eventuality of hunting or gathering mm-hmm. uh, but you know we invented civilization of 100000 years ago and life hasn't been the same for for, for humans uh we don't normally find ourselves being hunted or hunting we as a matter of fact find ourselves in very very complex economic systems and complex uh, social systems and uh, we still play the old, our old games so the question was this how do we use the biological uh, response and uh, uh reward systems of playing and uh, and divert them towards learning about our modern world because any child who who wants to play and not study on a fundamental biological level wants to learn mm-hmm. so the desire to learn and desire to be able be more equipped to deal with the world around you is very very innately biological it's just that we want to learn the wrong thing so mm-hmm. given the modern world uh, how do you build games that build on the same building blocks of prehistoric games but equip equip as for everything from writing finding the right partner to handle to dealing with modern day capitalism to dealing with uh, uh injustices that are happening in society on a daily basis that all of us have to navigate so that's something that i've been actively working in for the last few years uh, i've been building games around uh, the modern world we find ourselves in one of them has already uh, lo- uh, launched there are two more in the pipeline yeah so I see. Yeah, man. Uh, there's a lot of things that you just said there. Uh, in fact, when mm-hmm. I was coming to record my podcast right here with mm-hmm. you, I, I was mm-hmm. uh, I was outside the gate and I saw for the first mm-hmm. time this, uh, these mm-hmm. kids. You know what a pukata mm-hmm. is? A pukata is where you essentially um, all of the kids sort of join their hands in together and they all just you know make them fly like mm-hmm. this up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The respective uh, sure, sides, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing, right? Uh-huh. And and because I could only. i was like you know fumbling with keys and my bag and all that all that sort of stuff <laughs> i could only mm-hmm. hear and like see from my peripheries what game they were playing but it was apparently mm-hmm. a game of uh some something along the lines of you know those games where um you give the person who tags people one category so he'll say something like cars right and then you finish yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. right someone is ferrari mm-hmm. right and then you can mm-hmm. suddenly call, wherever the 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 person who's denning i don't know the better word for that mm-hmm. right or who's attacking yeah you and i don't Yeah, <laughs> whenever, whenever, whenever they're uh, doing their den, mm-hmm. right? 
and and you are in th- in threat, right? You're threatened by him. You can mm-hmm. immediately say someone else's name, right? So if you're Ferrari mm-hmm. and, and the dinner comes close to you, you can say Porsche, right? And so I was fascinated by that because for mm-hmm. the longest time, um, in, since the last six or seven years, I haven't mm-hmm. seen those games as frequently as I used to back when I was a kid. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. led me to believe that, you know, there, there is something very... Uh, primal about games that that we just miss mm-hmm. out on and and in, mm-hmm. instead i think what happens is and again this is my conjecture i do not have the same table and speciality in games as you but i believe that instead mm-hmm. what, be, what happens is we we play more in virtual games where where the rules mm-hmm. are all messed up and th- there isn't exactly a clear directed path w- w- what do you think about like what do you think about that like uh, our our you know innate uh, our innate biology to play games in the, in the physical mm-hmm. world and then the games we play online mm-hmm. um so to answer the question i have to make a few uh, i have is- to establish a few things before mm-hmm. the first thing is that uh, uh when we perceive things as you uh, as humans or other higher order species we don't necessarily uh, input all the information in front of us what we look for is markers of information interesting a silhouette of a man is enough to tell you that it's a man mm-hmm. uh the scent of a flower is enough to tell you that there is possibly a flower nearby uh the sound of a waterfall uh uh the sound of water flowing uh can tell you there's water nearby and you don't have to see the water so symbols uh symbols and uh, markers become placeholders for entire phenomena what this helps us do is be, uh, is gives us the ability to parse more and more information um a monkey climbing down from a tree in forest and savanna in myanmar spots a dot in the grass hmm. on closer inspection sees multiple dots hmm. and as he, as the monkey as it keeps watching it realizes that all these dots are moving in tandem it takes this information and runs it through its a repository of genetic and uh, memetic information and realizes hey these moving dots are the other the fur coat of a leopard and climbing down right now might just be uh detrimental it didn't have to see the leopard all it had to see was markers for the leopard interesting uh similarly we use we look for markers even in nutrition uh something that uh that makes us uh a, sm- a smell of rotten eggs that makes us repulsed is a is our body's way of saying it do not ingest this do not go near it it's going to be bad for your health yeah uh, uh while the, the happiness their attackers right like they'll attack yeah. their attackers Or, with this horrible, horrible spell yeah they are they, that we'll get into that a little later on okay. uh, adaptive and exaptive uh, uh, usages um similarly uh sorry last minute no thought yeah uh, similarly when we consume sugar we feel good uh why do we feel good because we enjoy it and that's a tautological statement why do we enjoy sugar we enjoy sugar because sugar is carbohydrates ingesting sugar allows us to run allows us to run for longer allows us to have more energy to gather more to hunt more and sugar in uh, the environments we evolved in was rare naturally growing fruits were rare to find and once you find find them our body through natural selection through natural selection incentivized ingesting those carbohydrates but at the same time because our code is never accounted for the eventuality that we will find too much sugar ever there is no upper limit uh, to how much sugar we can find 
right. uh, to how much sugar we enjoy. Now, what that leads to is a phenomenon that, that Dr. V. S. Ramachandran uh, uh, terms as the peak shift principle. Hmm. If X amount of something is good, 10x is better. Now that works in the food we eat. That all works in the markers we look for in our partners and our kin. Right. Muscles are good to hunt. More muscles are better. Uh, if you look at the sculpture of, I'm just, one second, just referencing something. Give me a second. Yeah. Uh, Venus of what's the full name? The Venus of Willendorf. If you look at this ten thousand year old sculpture, you will see that the 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 female anatomy has been exaggerated uh, immensely. Because just like uh, just like our food, the peak shift principle also applies to uh, visual cues. That explains that exactly, anime as well. That explains a lot of modern pop culture. That explains war movies. That explains WWE. That explains uh, romances. That explains uh, criminal dramas. That explains pornography. That explains mm-hmm. PUBG. Mm. Uh, the peak shift principle uh, is taking lots of stimulus and giving it to the user in one go. Yeah. And creating peaks of dopamine, serotonin, and cortisol, and adrenaline. Uh, it's like it's it's a dopamine rush not exactly like a, like a line of cocaine but somewhere there yeah it's 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 small and pinchy enough that you want to keep doing it it's the same idea that uh, it's 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 very very cheap and inexpensive dopamine particularly seen when you know you you're micro transactions and like micro rewards yeah, you're you're almost like mining for it, like on and and suddenly when you have it, you're like ah, oh, and then and then mm. then you go through a cycle again. But that's that's more yeah. about the sort of. So what you're basically saying is that we had these peaks, these natural peaks, and then we 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 thought we have natural markers that we look for, and we yeah. condense those markers uh, yeah. into into shorter, quicker, more uh, more condensed bursts of information that create spikes in our response systems. Yeah. So then in that case, talk to me about the way you mm-hmm. consume information. Talk to me about the way uh, you um, are able to synthesize information and inputs without getting overloaded. Because what what, what seems uh, to me from all of this is that mm-hmm. you seem to have a sense of clarity um, when it mm-hmm. comes to how these systems have been hacked. And, and there's mm-hmm. almost like you almost like have an edge. So do enlighten us. Mm-hmm. What is the edge? So while I do on a, on while I do fundamentally know the, the, in the engineering at play over here, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm immune to it. I had a red bit before this conversation. I'm going to have desserts after dinner and I'm going to go online and play some violent video games at night. Uh, <laughs> uh, but having said that, uh, it's as a, as a creator of content, as a creator of culture, I think it is an imperative uh, responsibility to to steer where conversations are going uh, mm. because whether we like it or not natural selection for all its in its classical sense for all its effects and purposes is over we're never going to uh, uh, change the thickness of our skin or uh, the uh, or our or improve or, or reduce our eyesight capabilities because we don't need to uh, we have evolved. We we have through through culture evolved ways of manipulating the environment around us um, in the short term 
that this allows natural selection to take place in the long term. So we don't go through generation generations of natural selection anymore because if it's too hot, we turn the fan on. If it's too cold, we uh, put on a blanket. Right. Um, so, so but just how we do evolve? What exactly is the concept of natural selection for everyone who's listening right now? Uh, natural selection, to uh, to put it very very crude, crudely, is uh, now how do I do this without sounding reductive? Um, ah, I see. So you do place parameters <laughs> on your thinking. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, is is uh, is as Darwin put it? Should I just quote him? Yeah, please. Should I just not make a misquote? See, that's very interesting. It's so refreshing to see Indian intellectuals mm-hmm. and thinkers uh, not blatantly say statements and then and then you know uh, not take take away the responsibility that, that goes along with explaining that when someone some viewer slash listener says hey what did you mean by that I you know I'm always committing suicide please let me know and you're like oh I didn't mean that <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm going to paraphrase from Wikipedia uh, so let's say or I'm going to give you a, actually I'll give you a quick example now imagine there are two frogs right uh, both of them are green in color uh-huh. um and both of them have 10 offsprings right. each. One of them has no variation, has no mutation in its, uh, uh, in, in reproduction. So all 10 offsprings are the exact same green color, the exact same traits and exact same genetic code. Yep. On the other hand, the other frog has a major mutation that does not regulate color while reproduction. Now this I'm talking in complete soft science, and this is not how frogs reproduce. Uh, okay. But uh, but for the sake of an example, my, yeah, for the just a, uh, a simple example to give. Uh, mm. Now this frog has ten different uh, the offspring that of ten different colors, ranging all the way from bright red to brown to blue. Okay, these frogs frogs generally live in a pond, which is where the floor is covered in algae. I see. So the green frogs are naturally camouflaged, but one fine day there's a, a small landslide and the pond gets flooded with mud. Now all the frogs are shining bright in the green sea, in, 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 oh, on the brown, the green is shining bright on the brown, making them easy pickings for the birds and ducks around. Right. But one of the offsprings of the, of the frog that had a mutation was brown and naturally camouflaged. It wasn't smarter, it wasn't faster, it didn't do anything intentionally. Hmm. It just happened to be the fittest. Survival of the fittest does not mean the strongest or the fastest or the uh, yeah. most adapt. Uh, it just basically means what fits best in the environment. Right, at that given So through, at, 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 during that lifespan. lifespan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, through trial and error, through again, there's no agency involved. Of course, it's all yes, yeah. all purely mechanical. Through trial and error, through generation and generations of weeding, uh, weeding out, uh, life picks certain traits that allow it to uh, that allow it to uh, permeate and spread faster over traits that don't. Mm-hmm. This selection of traits uh, through evolution through uh, through mutation in reproduction is natural selection. I see. And natural selection, uh, depending on the lifespan and uh, and the reproduction cycle of an organism, 
can take anywhere from a few weeks for some organisms to hundreds of years for more complex life forms like humans. Now, dialing back to what I was saying earlier, because we are so good at changing our environment, classical natural selection has stopped. But what has happened is on this genetic layer that we call the human genome, the, the, the homo sapiens species, yeah. lies a, a, a thin, beautiful layer of memes. Now, when I say memes, I don't need, mean internet memes you find on 9gag and 4chan. Yeah. Is, is, are like I, memes one step removed from archetypes, that sort of thing? Uh, so memes were coined in, I think, 1978 by Dawkins in his seminal book, uh, The Selfish Gene. Yeah. Uh, he talks about the smallest unit of culture. He talks about uh, uh, the nod or the hmm sound that you make when I say something and you agree with it or you acknowledge it, to greeting each other when we start the call, to uh, just listening. Uh, all come are all memes that come together to form the memeplex of uh, of good listening. Good listening and other memeplexes come together to form culture. So non-biological data that cannot be passed through pure reproduction is memetic information. Are memes? And these are these are things that we we mime from each other, or these are things that are contained within us within our own biologies. Like okay. they are not contained in the biology. Interesting. Memories, yes, not our biologies. So again, our lived memories, yes, not our genetic memories. Yeah, because because like, uh, Carl Jung has this idea of archetypes, right? And that that's that's mm-hmm. a more uh, that's a more ex- extrapolatory idea. Doesn't have by the same biological underpinnings that that, that mm-hmm. a meme might have, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll get into Jung and uh, and um, uh, and continent philosophers a little later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just completing this thought. Now on this layer of genetic. Uh, material, uh, the, the the GTCA of our genome lies a layer of memetic material. Uh, these are things that we learn with our lifespan, things that we cannot pass on biologically. Uh, these, this is the core reason that humans have been able to uh, have been able to uh, 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 be, reproduce and evolve and capture so much, so many resources and be so successful as life forms in the past 10,000 years. Uh, this layer of memes that allows us to pass on information from generation to generation so that you and I don't have to reinvent the meme, uh, the wheel. You and I don't have, uh, can stand on the shoulders of giants who are themselves standing on shoulders of giants yeah. uh, for 10,000 years uh, in and having everything from the internet to, uh, to language to being able to talk to each other at distances that was never possible are, is, the, is the mimetic advantage we have. Now, given that that is the core fundamental principle that gives our, our species an edge, that allows us to have democracy, equality, rights, which are all alien concepts in the natural world. The natural world is replete with rape and coercion and murder. Uh, I think it is... I think it is a fundamental responsibility and, and an imperative responsibility for culture creators to be very, very careful about uh, what they are saying and how they are saying it. I am just an actor, I am just a filmmaker and uh, I don't think that uh, what I say changes the, how the world works or sets on bad example are very, very callous and uh, irresponsible statements that a lot of people make. Yeah, it's a, it's the same sort of criticism that Steve Jobs had of consultants. It's like if you're a consultant, take responsibility mm-hmm. for your advice, right? 
Yeah, uh, and uh, I think uh, Nicholas Talib talks uh, a lot about this in his book, Skin in the Game. Love that. That if yeah. you don't have skin in the game, uh, you're not going to take uh, take decisions that are going to be well informed. And then uh, then talks takes a conversation forward into the conversation of decentralized democracies where it's important for people to make decisions on a local level as opposed mm. to uh, delegating it to someone who has no idea of ground realities, who doesn't have skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, but I think as a creator, it's my responsibility to be very careful on what I put out. If I put out more films or media or games where people are just landing headshots or not treating minorities uh, well, uh, that is how the species will evolve. But those are the uh, conversations that will uh, that will travel, and we have a genetic predisposition to uh, be attracted to violence and sex mm. because it causes a very uh, primitive peak shift. Uh, so it is very important for filmmakers, for game creators, for any kind of uh, any culture kind of creators. worker in the twenty first century. Any anyone who's using his brain to communicate. Something. Anyone who's putting out anyone who's putting ideas out there to be very careful of what ideas they're putting out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that is exactly what separates us from the uh, from every, from every other species that's ever lived on this planet. Right, right. So, talk to me about this idea. So, uh, there's obviously mm-hmm. this idea of uh, you know, uh, most cultures have a very innate mm-hmm. sense of you know oral storytelling, right? So, so you learn mm-hmm. about the myths that your ancestors lived through, mm-hmm. and then you learn about mm-hmm. the myths that your parents' ancestors lived through, and so on, mm-hmm. and, and so the process begins, right? So, so for example, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I'm the descendant of Alexander Vaughn and he did this, these glorious things. Or our culture mm-hmm. is especially made for war, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. but, but, that, but that is storytelling at its core, right? And, and it's up for your interpretation. Mm-hmm. Is there like a synonym between stories and memes? Stories are nothing but a series of memes put together. Uh, the idea, they are, they are, they are non, again, they are non-genetic data points that we are communicating each other, which is the fundamental definition of a story. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is the exact basis on which we named our studio. Mm, uh, the studio, yeah, it's called Memesis. It's again, uh, it's uh, it's short for memetic systems. Because we are storytellers, we understand that we create and craft and engineer memetic systems and hence Memesis. Hmm. So, so in that sense, what could, let's just say, creators who put out a lot of disjuncted, fragmented content around, what could they uh, sort of do better to um, use our natural uh, ability to, you know, put together mm-hmm. a bunch of memes and, and make sense? What could they do better, right? Uh, so, this is something I have been talking uh, that I completely believe in, that for a storyteller, for a content creator, the last thing that they need to learn is how to create the content because that is something that you can hire hire someone for if you really want to tell stories if you really want to put ideas out there you need to learn everything from economics to politics to gender rights uh, to minority rights to uh, to how the stock market works to uh, evolutionary biology because knowing how to work a camera or a mic is great, but once you ha- know how to do that, what is the story that you're going to tell? What is that chapter you're going to add to this to the book of human civilization? And is that chapter worth adding? Mm. I don't want another uh, another action movie. I don't want another Rambo. Right. We have had a million of those. Uh, in, in Rambo two, he fought he fought the Russians uh, with the help of the Taliban. 
in the next one, if it will get made, he's going to fight the Taliban with the help of the Russians. I don't know what's happening. Uh, and it's just the same story again and again and again and doesn't add to civilization. As a matter of fact, it said, sends out a very strong notion. Action movies classically have been this. A scientist does something and fucks up. Can I say that? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Say yeah. all the okay. all, all, all uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a scientist uh, does something and fucks up. And then this tall, hunking, brooding, rude, angry G.I. Joe comes in and saves the day. But yeah. that's not how the world works. Uh, politic, bad policymakers, bad leaders, uh, GI Joes go out and fuck the world up. And it is the scientists who come in and save the day. Yeah. Uh, uh, look at what's happening right now. Who are the people we are falling back upon? In our times of most, uh, in our times of like dire need. I, like It's not the military, it's not politicians, it's our doctors, it's our scientists, it's our researchers who are going to who are going to ensure that civilization survives this. Uh, so please spare me your stories of action heroes saving the world. Give me more stories about scientists saving the world because that is a story we need to tell the world again and again. Invest more in science, invest more in policy. Tell our children that the aspiration for when they grow up is not to hit the gym and become bulking, brooding GI Joes, but Although to become there scientists. There is a necessity for that as well, right? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, there is a necessity for warrior stories and a necessity for sort of developing physical strength and endurance. Uh, developing physical strength and endurance for a better and healthier body while you're doing research, yes. To go out okay. and punch someone in the face, no. Now, the, the reason I say that is because, and here, here's sort of mm-hmm. like my conjecture on this is, mm-hmm. is, is that what, what happens often is that the greater the intellectual achievement, the bigger the shadow, mm-hmm. you know, because what happens mm-hmm. is you, you might get lost. And again, this is also based on a fair bit of a conjecture, but you might get lost so much in your mind and your theories that you will forget that you still have a very na- primal part that you need to address. Right. And that's why, that's why the, that's why the scientist uh, athlete combination, I forget who some Roman philosopher said, that the ideal scenario for a, for a cultivated human being is a scholar athlete, right? So sorry, a mm-hmm. scholar, yeah, yeah. So you combine both, and and it seems in Roman times, yes. In Roman times, yes. When you still had to go to war. Uh, right now, I'm talking on the civilization level. I'm not talking on uh, the level of India or Pakistan or the China, whoever our current enemy is, um, and that keeps changing. Uh, uh, but what I'm talking about is uh, something that's far deeper uh it science cannot be just mind play and theories it is mind play and theories and thoughts in play uh scientists have put satellite in space they have cured pandemics that have uh that have threatened to wipe out the world smallpox is not something that you and i are worried about polio is not something that you and i are worried about uh the internet exists modern medicine exists democracy exists these are great thinkers, philosophers, scientists putting life lifespans of work in to ensure yeah. that the next generation has a better life, has the next generation has a better way of going about things. Um, yes, physical fitness is important to the point of re- uh, health, staying healthy and supple. But uh, uh, why is it that we spend so much more on going to war when time and again it has been proven that uh, the enemy is not the neighbor, but the enemy is going to be invisible. The enemy is our pandemics. The enemy is also visible. The enemy is climate change. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, I think we are creating the uh, uh, we are creating the the wrong villains here. Interesting. So there's one thing that you mentioned in your TED talk where you said mm-hmm. that you know <clears throat> what what you often see uh, mm-hmm. when you when you react to news and when you react to mm-hmm. the politics of the world is the narrative that you fed, mm-hmm. not exactly the decisions that went behind that narrative. You said something along those lines mm-hmm. when you're trying to explain a part of Sashin. And uh, I remember mm-hmm. in in college I had this class around PR where uh, mm-hmm. the, the the terms the axis of evil was developed. By Sorry, wait, just one second, just one second. Yeah. I'm going to have you dial back. I'm just replacing the battery on the camera. Sounds Sorry, good. give me a second. Good. Yeah, we can pause it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so like I was yeah. saying, um, so I, I was in this PR class in college and, and uh, they were talking about how George Bush hired this PR agency to come up with an elaborate mm-hmm. narrative that they could, you know, feed to the American public to justify, um, you know, mm-hmm. the wars in Iraq or like why certain countries mm-hmm. were called the axis of evil. And, and so the term axis of evil was developed by a bunch of mm-hmm. PR guys, right? And and so that's when I started to realize that, okay, so narratives are built first. They are cooked first mm-hmm. and, and, you know, given mm-hmm. in your plate and you eat it and then and you mm-hmm. react and then they measure the measure the feedback on that narrative and they shift mm-hmm. and all of, all of those things. Mm-hmm. But in, in Shastin, what if you've tried to do, I haven't played the game, mm-hmm. I haven't had the honor. One of my friends recommends mm-hmm. it, um, is, mm-hmm. is, is, you, is you try to place someone uh, as as mm-hmm. a citizen who might be very idealistic in their life and might you know try mm-hmm. to hold the government accountable and you ask them hey you're a politician now make decisions mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. so talk to me about that that whole idea sure so a couple of things I want to address here first it yeah. was an ink talk so a shout out to ink ink is this wonderful community put together by Lakshmi Prasuri mm-hmm. uh, it has everyone from scientists to uh, to entrepreneurs to athletes. Uh, and philosophers in, in a, this wonderful community that convenes a couple of times a year. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out there on YouTube. What I was trying to address is a couple of things. One is that, again, xenophobia is something that we are susceptible to. Hmm. Uh, it is something What's that, that was not, uh, that because historically, xenophobia has. Uh, Historically, I mean, a few hundred thousand years ago, xenophobia might have proven to be useful. Being able to tell your kin from the other and safeguarding your immediate kin, your immediate self and your immediate kin from the other uh, had very strong natural selection benefits. Mm. Uh, but the process of civilization has always been to expand the kin. Uh, to expand the kin from your immediate family to your tribe, to from a tribe to your nation, from your nation to the species itself. Uh, modern politics or politics has always been to uh, to tap into the xenophobia and uh, channel it. It's uh, it's what I call uh, or I don't remember who coined the term manufacturing the other, where you manufacture an yeah. enemy and uh, you uh, you bring out the audience's very primal fears while manufacturing that enemy. Uh, that I think that is exactly what they were talking to you about in your PR class. Uh, what we did yeah, in Shasin was called the in-group out-group theory, theory as well, and that's how you push people mm-hmm. to you, the right yeah. and the left, and because everything they do is is in opposition to this other that they've you know built. Exactly, and there's always a new other. The a new other might be a different caste, a different uh, uh, a different gender, a different religion, a different uh, uh, nationality, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're and we're seeing that right now. We are seeing uh, xenophobia in India, in the U.S., all over the world. 
uh, what we try to do in Shasen is step behind the smokes and mirrors of modern politics. Uh, what's put you in the driver's seat. It's uh, what I like to call the antagonist theory, uh, the, which is basically if I put you in the position of, your, of the antagonist, of the person who is working against you, mm-hmm. you will be able to see your own weaknesses from their vantage point. You'll be able to exploit those weaknesses from their vantage point, And when you zoom back out, you will know better. Uh, you will know your weaknesses better. Yeah. So in Shasin, the antagonist that you play is the politician. You understand every trick in the book that politician uses from manufacturing the other to, uh, to lobbying for funds with, uh, with a capitalist who might not have your best interest in at, at heart to playing the PR machinery. Uh, to just like what Trump did, just say ridiculous things every day to get free mileage every day and become popular. Yeah. And Boris Johnson very well just doubled down on that. Uh, and you see spokespersons like, yeah. in Indian politics uh, build their entire careers or become a great or gain great renown by doing just that. Uh, was the idea is to understand the smoke, uh, what happens behind the smokes and mirrors and tell people or show people why politicians do what they do and say what they say. Hmm. And we, so what happened was uh, two of my co-founders, uh, Khushibu Ranka and Vinay Shukla, uh, spent three years in Delhi uh, from, the, in, from the IAC movement till the first election, uh, which the AAP fought and documented everything. Uh, they were in closed door meetings, in public rallies, everywhere, trying to understand how modern politics works. And they were given access or were they? Yes, you know, they were given access. Like full access to understand the the whole bulwark of like why, you know, Mr. Kejriwal might make a decision X or decision Y, that sort of thing. Yeah, they were given complete access even into their homes and offices. Interesting. Uh, so the film, uh, the film went on to uh, first so be blocked by the censor board. Significant man, right? Yes. It first went, it, it premiered at TIFF, then it went on to get blocked by the Indian censor board. Uh, which which then went up to the Supreme Court, uh, which is a case we won and set legal precedent against censorship in India, after which uh, it it released theatrically in India Why and did phenomenally because because it's it's not oh, it's, it's it's, it wasn't an ambiguous because of of uh, Indian politics and 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 the, of uh, let's not talk about some let's not let's not talk about something that is not against uh, the grain of our propaganda. Classic Goebbels. I see. I see. I see. Uh, <laughs> while the film was not pro KGWAL, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't pro AP or pro KGWAL or, or anti Modi. It yeah. was just a documentation of what happened. As a matter yeah. of fact, the party, no one from the party saw it till it had premiered, because we wanted no interference from anyone. Uh, and since AP was playing on the uh, on the mandate of uh, of being transparent. Uh, they could not refuse access. Turns out uh, Khushibu and Vinay were the only ones who asked. Uh, but what happened was through Khushibu and Vinay and their are, are five-year journey in making the film, I learned a lot about modern politics. That uh, And we decided, how, now how do we make this learning more intuitive? And we sat down and we built a board game. Now, why a board game is a question I almost always get. It was on because my mind. just before that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just before that, I was making virtual reality and 
uh, pioneering virtual reality tech. So why am I transitioning, transitioning from VR to board games? Uh, the first answer is that because I, I like to be medium agnostic, I don't like to tie myself down to a medium. I want to tell the story in the best way it, could, it can be told. Uh, the, 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 the end goal is to get the idea out there, not to make a film or make a game. Hmm. Now, having said that, we select our medium of choice and what would be best. Now, why board games hit the sweet spot was it was interactive. So uh, you have to play with the machine to understand how it works. And that interactive learning is deeper, better, much richer. At the same time, it's interpersonal. Uh, I wanted a tool that allowed you to talk to your family, your friends about politics. And if talking online uh, helped you understand politics better, then... Uh, we wouldn't be here. Uh, you wouldn't be here. Twitter would be heaven. Um, <laughs> uh, so we said, we said, let's go offline. Let's get people to sit on a table and talk about politics without talking about each other's specific politics. So that, what Shasan does is creates a veneer of... The, politi- the politics of the character you are playing as opposed to yourself. So you can pick policies that you don't believe in or pick policies that you believe in and always say, no, that's not what I believe in. So it gives you a safe space to play in. Interesting. Uh, so you can discuss politics, beliefs, uh, be on the same page, argue it out while having fun. Yeah. So fun is the, is, is, is the pill. It's the, it's the sugar coating on top of the pill. Understanding of modern politics is the medicine inside the pill. Okay, so in in terms of learning environments, right? Because there's been a fair bit mm-hmm. of research on how people learn best, right? And mm-hmm. uh, considering the the limited literature I've read on that, I've I've come across mm-hmm. these two terms. One is a kind mm-hmm. learning environment where the rules are known, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. where where procedures are repeatable, where everything mm-hmm. in the game is is just following the rules, knowing all all the ins and outs, and just repeating success, right? In, in, mm-hmm. the, in, in the domain of a chessboard, right? You can know all the combinations mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, right? And then there, mm-hmm. there are wicked learning environments, right? Where the rules are incomplete, missing, or even against you, the players are unknown, mm-hmm. and uncertainty is the mm-hmm. norm, right? So mm-hmm. wouldn't you say that, uh, you know, a board game or any of these games are in fact kind learning environments? Like, w- what about the elements of chaos in this one, like in the real world? How do you combine uh, that? So a game like chess is uh, a two-player game like chess is a is a kind learning environment because in chess yeah. uh, allegiances are known. Uh, your chess opponent can never be your ally. Mm-hmm. In chess, uh, human behavior is uh, is condensed to a very straight fundamental uh, mathematical goal to a point that even uh, even an AI can play chess. Uh, as a matter of fact, AI plays chess better than humans. Yeah, um, or actually, in actually Shasen, humans and AIs together play better chess than humans and AIs alone. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the, it, it's it's in this book by David Epstein, which I keep mentioning. It's called Range, and mm-hmm. Gary Kasparov lost against mm-hmm. an AI computer, and so, so uh-huh. they he lost is, against uh, Watson. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. And then what they did is they yeah. they, they they teamed up with. So what he did is he got two programmers, one computer, mm-hmm. and one and one Gary Kasparov on one side, and some other combination mm-hmm. on the other side of only computers, and they won. Because you have the chess master, you have the technical mm-hmm. specialist, and you have the machine. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. But yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. I have the book. I should read it. Uh, yeah. um, it's fascinating. Yeah. I have the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, what I was saying was uh, what Shasan does and what a lot of modern, modern board games do is there are a lot of variables within the game that are finite, that, you, mm. uh, that are mathematical certainties. 
but there is a huge mathematical uncertainty in the game uh, of in the multiplayer game of shasan which is your opponents hmm. which are because everyone is fighting each other the and a game of shasan will have its own ups and downs it, it's going to have uh, uh, alliances being made and broken is going to have backstabs and handshakes uh and that keeps you on the edge that is something that will uh, keep the game uncertain till very last second because more than playing while you're also playing the math of the board game you're also playing each other constantly mm. it's a game of understanding trust and uh, deceit it's a game of knowing how far to uh, stretch uh, uh, to stretch your luck and with with other people and uh, i think that is where the beauty of modern board games lies where outside the final variables there's an infinite variable of the people you're playing with yeah and yeah, the personalities that emerge that's what it really gets interesting so my next question mm-hmm. to you naturally is then there are certain people everyone has mm-hmm. those people in their life who who have mm-hmm. high moral standards who are supposedly mm-hmm. very idealistic right so and you've mm-hmm. obviously seen a couple of these people play because i know there's a youtube mm-hmm. version where you had like the shashan cup and everything right yeah so mm-hmm. considering that you are also friends with several idealistic people what happens mm-hmm. when they're they're made to play as let's say you know trump or putin or when they're made how do, first of all do they make choices against their idols and second fight <coughs> because in their personal life there are these you know giant moral savages that sort of thing so unlike other games in shasan you're not assigned a character you build your character uh you build your personality by answering a question every turn mm. now you can answer the question and build your ideology depending on how you really feel mm. or in that moment to get that particular word bank or capture a particular territory you might go down the slippery slope of saying something that you don't believe in uh and uh, as a matter and there's also a temptation of of tasting the evil so yeah. very very so often in shasan you will find the you find people taking stands you'll find people saying things that are polar opposites of what they believe in real life either to see what it feels like or to win that win the game in that particular moment so again no one's made to say anything everyone everything is a choice and unless you don't make choices the game doesn't move forward uh i have had people stick by their beliefs and uh, and win and i have had people break their belief systems get greedy and also win so it's <laughs> there's no there's no right way of playing the game so that is i have to get this game it's a kickstarter right <laughs> yes the kickstarter got over we are still doing pre orders on backer kit we were supposed to ship this month but uh given what's happening worldwide it's slightly delayed we're waiting yeah. for a prototype to arrive from china so that i can give a go ahead on the final manufacturing but just still tied up yeah man i i'd love to get my hands on this game i i think i have enough <laughs> uh, political aspirants in my own household to see how that maps <laughs> because you know one thing i was talking to you about you know how playing board games mm-hmm. before uh, and you know being inspired by shashan to buy whatever board games i could get my hands on so what mm-hmm. happens is you know let's say you know considering that it's a nuclear family and i'm back home to safeguard against covid because i didn't have enough resources mm-hmm. in mumbai so there's mm-hmm. the father there's the mother there's the sister and there's me right and everyone has different characteristics mm-hmm. right yeah, mm-hmm. let's say the dad is your typical dad protector stable stoic that sort of thing right uh, mm-hmm. but when it comes to victory it turns out he will do whatever it takes to win right and mm-hmm. he, even going against the the very natural idea of you know like the sacrificial patriarch that sort of thing right and and mm-hmm. so will the mother right 
and and so mm-hmm. insisted and so the sun right so you suddenly see mm-hmm. even in games which are not as complex and as fun as shasin that that those mm-hmm. that those sides that those innate mm-hmm. sides that the winner comes out no one is playing these mm-hmm. games to just participate everyone has an innate <laughs> desire to win right and it's only yeah. those consolation statements come around only when they lose and so so it's it's very interesting <laughs> to step outside those those familial mm-hmm. roles and get inside the roles of player one player two player three player four i don't know what, what mm-hmm. do you think about that uh i think it it uh, it is just layers of stacks and stacks of complexity built on the very fundamental play that we did as animals or children mm-hmm. which is uh uh which is that there is a safe space a magic circle in which the rules are, are changed and in which the stakes are lowered so what you're doing is you are fundamentally training for for being cutthroat when you need to to safeguard yourself you 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 are training to uh to move swiftly and adapt quickly which are all very important traits for survival uh and i think that comes across very well in uh, uh in games that are in which uh, the in which the uh sorry i'm just getting i'm just losing in which the suspension of disbelief is good yeah in which the game that make you believe that you are part of this world for those two hours that you're playing that game yeah it's it's the same thing where um you know in in for example gta right even the gta is a bit mm-hmm. of a hedonistic uh you uh-huh. know take take on games because mm-hmm. it's like you you mm-hmm. can you can almost be a successful serial killer as long as you keep evading the police that's the idea right <laughs> uh and <laughs> but it's like yeah it's it's like a free roam party to kill and do whatever you want with mm-hmm. the fastest cars mm-hmm. now uh, zain want to take a step uh, in a different direction uh, w- w- this is something we were dis- discussing before the podcast as well it, it doesn't seem natural to arrive at these set the, the set of realizations and and to have these specific interests that you have right mm-hmm. uh, without you either having a vagabond attitude towards learning you know learn whatever you can consume voraciously or mm-hmm. uh, the other perspective where you decided that you know the best strategy to understand the world that i'm in to understand reality itself and then to you know make my mm. own dent on it is to is to mm. break things down into their most concrete bits and then learn them step by step slow and methodical mm-hmm. and the other you know obviously being random and all over the place so starting from you know you are a kid in mumbai how did you start to gravitate toward wanting to learn about the world talk to me about that uh so i I was I was not the best student in class I, I did decently well until the point where things got too abstract for me to understand why I'm learning what I'm learning hmm. uh and that is what hugely uh, disillusioned me from classical education after my hmm. 12th grade I I dropped out uh much to the dismay of my parents and uh, started doing my own thing uh which what, did what mean thing? doing yeah. uh, which did mean doing jo- odd jobs here and there and and uh, trying a few failed startups and a bunch of other things and working with people in different industries but generally to, you would say in the domain of media technology to, that sort of thing engineering not always not always uh, but at the same time there was always a constant learning that i was that i was participating in be it reading be it watching things be it consuming or having conversations with people who knew better than me hmm. uh and uh, see the, the 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 core of my belief system is the scientific method and the scientific method fundamentally dictates that uh first that be ready to accept that 
whatever rules you hold dear might just be wrong and you might have to uh, and that's something that people don't understand about the scientific method and uh, that is something that uh, that deeply deeply drives me to be able to know that i might have completely different belief sets two years down the line um, or what i am saying right now might not hold true well if it doesn't then what is and that constant cycle of knowing what is the what is the latest breakthrough out there what is the most cutting edge philosophical or scientific idea out there has mm. kept me going and con- has got me consuming mm. uh and at the same time uh, it it's al- also comes from a lot of privilege uh, of coming from an educated family of of being able to uh, meet mentors and peers who are like minded who are who are driven who who are ready to invest in my experiments so of course there's a lot of privilege that i come from in terms of opportunities mm-hmm. uh, and abilities uh, and it's very important for all of us to acknowledge that uh, what 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 do you think it's important to acknowledge people for acknowledge what you are born into uh, be- uh, because if you don't acknowledge what you're born into you fail to acknowledge what other people are not and you fail to be inclusive of them in when you design policy or ideas Mm. So okay, so 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 your idea of wanting to acknowledge the privilege stems from uh, trying to look at the world like Emmanuel Kant would, right? It's like I would make a decision so that I, everyone else could also make the same decision. So I would have to act in a way that is the best decision for everyone else. That's sort of idea, right? So wh- when you when you're saying this statement, you're not saying it for yourself. You're saying it for society at large. Yeah, and and and, uh, and society at large uh, is a concept that arises from my own personal heuristic model. So I have to first understand. the rules i have to i i hold myself by and yeah. then transpose those views on any on anything else like an external society or a family unit uh so yeah i think it's very important for us to when we when we talk about experimentation and journey and our learning to be very be very cognizant mm-hmm. of our privilege because there definitely exists a peer of mine out there who is smarter more inventive uh uh and uh more efficient than me more empathetic than me who who is not on this podcast simply because they didn't have the opportunities sure so that oh, uh, so yeah so it's because they have they didn't have the opportunities you know <laughs> back at them but but what, what i want to say is so acknowledging that mm-hmm. you're you know born mm-hmm. in privilege or have had opportunities is separate from mm-hmm. from the casual guilt that is peddled toward you all the time right where where people will literally guilt you uh into mm-hmm. checking your privilege or or constantly take perspective it's like how much perspective can you take you're doing the best you can right well i think the guilting uh, and i wouldn't call it that or uh, constantly checking comes from comes from the fact that more people than most people more often than not are not doing that hmm. uh, uh uh we even though even though um, the majority of indian population come doesn't come from the upper caste 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 violence is still a very very real thing in india gender violence is a very very real thing in india uh white privilege is a very very real thing in the us mm-hmm. and uh, i think as that there's a lot of introspection that needs to happen uh by uh, by the people who now hold positions of power to constantly reaffirm that inequalities do exist and we must work towards correcting them yep. because as a species we are only as good as our best ideas and uh, and 
and it's very important that everyone understand that we need to give equal opportunities and that does not mean being communist uh, to uh, to every person out there irrespective of their caste gender sexual orientation race whatever mm-hmm. i see so, so when it comes so to- dialing back to what i was saying uh, yeah so as a, so growing up i had the privilege and opportunity of meeting interesting people of reading interesting things i had the i had an elder brother uh, who read who reads voraciously and no. uh, even now and growing up he would read 30 books and he would he would read out the best three for me so a lot of a lot of curation that went into my learning is thanks to him yeah he was the spotify uh, of reading for you yeah he was he was spotify and good reads and everything else combined of reading for me he was yeah. uh, uh, so what i didn't learn in school i learned through him uh and the books he recommended and the ideas he shared and that includes everything from pop culture to uh to philosophy and science um after i dropped out uh i knew that dropping out with and and surviving with my current skill set is going to be impossible thriving doubly so so i know that i i knew that i had to scale up and that is something i that i strongly believe in that unlike the post industrialization world where people were schooled so that they could uh, they could make good labor forces in the modern world whatever skill you have might be obsolete in a decade we that. are seeing more uh, we are seeing more and more people uh, lose their jobs uh, there is this beautiful uh, uh, ai that my uh, friend anand introduced me to it's called talk to transformer and uh, it's it's a very small project but it's so fascinating to think into giving us perspective on uh, where the technology is headed because the uh, the long held notion that creative jobs will be the last one being taken away by ai is completely shattered by that uh, by talk to transformer because you put in three lines and it generates an entire story based on those three lines and, and it generates six more lines and But these lines are more often than not define accurate well, so it's coherent it, it has new ideas yes yes <laughs> it's coherent it has new ideas uh, more often than not and I, like all ml based ais it's going to get better and better hmm. this is someone's personal project it's not an ibm funded project uh <laughs> and it's just passed through billions and billions of lines of text that humans have spoken and written you know yeah and there's, there's a really that can do that right now in 2020 in my hand to 2030 when google has the ais out there telling stories when netflix yeah. says we don't need to be slave to us uh, we don't need to go out to creators we can create our own content from all the things you already have yeah it's a scary idea i remember uh, sitting on a porch it's a fascinating about- idea and i'll get to that in a sec uh so i was remember mm-hmm. smoking smoking a joint with my friends uh on a porch years ago mm-hmm. and this friend mm-hmm. looked up this this ai built so what this ai basically did is it it aggregated i think 2500 christmas movie scripts to mm-hmm. make its own christmas script right so it's a own mm-hmm. christmas movie and it's something mm-hmm. like put put the put the turkey in your mother and then hand me the gloves you know hand <laughs> me the sock that sort of thing it was wild bizarre and you know the a great stoner classic to you know listen to and get high to that sort of thing mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. it i was convinced at that time ki you know this is never going to be that that special i think people are still going to look to humans for 
making sense of the chaos where you can in, you can aggregate mm-hmm. stories and stuff but the coherency is uh, humans are fundamentally sitting at the driver's seat of what how to make things coherent but you're saying mm-hmm. that's not the case anymore so what should people do to brace that that will not be the case very soon yeah um as uh like for example james dean is making a comeback in a few years he's been dead for 40 years oh. uh but <laughs> so um, if whether you're an actor whether you are a writer there is uh there is a constant need for us to uh skill up our schooling te- uh comes from a pre google pre wikipedia era which still allows and the second i said google my phone woke up saying hey yeah. are you remembering me <laughs> um Uh, which still comes from a pre google pre wikipedia era of uh uh of having the onus having the onus of uh uh of remembering still aligning with the with the with the individual in the post google post wikipedia era, era our job is like you said to curate to connect dots to uh mm. to make sense of things and not retain things Yep. that is the first step of obsolescence that is going to happen not needing to retain information the second step is to be able to cure, to create meaning that is new that is not something that is an idea that's been out there uh to not make another action movie uh when photography was invented uh the artist realized that their job the painter realized that their job is not anymore to make portraits or to record landscapes because that is a job that photographs do better and we saw the great get up people we saw picasso and uh, and uh, other impressionists sorry other cubists and modernists come to light where they took painting and they took away the onus of archiving information hmm. and and focused co- uh, only on new perspectives focused uh, solely on uh, creating new meaning yeah and uh, that is something that is right now a very very human skill and will continue to be so but uh, again the technology we have right now would seem like sci-fi in the year 2000 uh, and uh, even the moore's law is reductive it's very important to understand that uh, our skill sets uh even though they seem like they might not get up obsolete as soon as we would like them to uh mm-hmm. will definitely uh become uh will definitely be less needed moving forward now that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be a job shortage we're going to uh be but it's important to know that the next generation have to be trained to be generalist thinkers as opposed to uh technicians because yes that's the yeah, thesis of the range yeah that's range, the thesis yeah. of the book yeah uh because technicians uh like the apple the apple robot in china can disassemble an, uh, an iphone in 13 seconds uh now that's something that you will not be able to match uh so uh a majority of the indian vfx industry depends on manual labor where each a character element is rotoscoped out manually uh all it will take is one plugin from adobe to render multiple people obsolete now what this will do is create more uh, is allow people to uh 
to do better things with their th- with their life as opposed to doing just technical uh procedural work uh the word computer didn't stand for a machine the computer used to be a job role given to people who would literally sit all day and crunch numbers that job role uh title was then given to a machine and to a point that we have most of civilization has forgotten that the computer used to be a person till 19 till 1950s that's crazy till 1950s the computer was a job role so this yeah, everything from was to calculate like chacha chaudhri you know was computer just computer do somewhere. math just do just sit in box, in rows and rows and rows and do math all day from everything from engineering to uh, economics damn so what should people do in terms of because i know for a fact like my my dad works in real estate for instance and he, he mm-hmm. still sort of has that work where he has to go and meet people and you know mm-hmm. uh, make sense of a lot of uh, uh negotiations deals and all of that right and and, and that's something that's a skill that he's developed over you know years mm-hmm. of working in that industry right um mm-hmm. but it 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 does come at risk when in times like these where you know the computer is king right and those of us who even made a dent in this industry who dipped their beak mm-hmm. in to see what was happening are suddenly at mm-hmm. an advantage because the attention is here right um mm-hmm. now i also believe in this idea right and this is sort of been peddled in pop culture already through the likes of famous self help thinkers like tim ferris right and everyone else who's propounding mm-hmm. like for optimizing and automating your life around your jobs uh, to make money and then mm-hmm. spend your other time developing skills that are completely disparate that have no real connections among each other so that you that allows mm-hmm. you to always have an outsider's advantage to the the, the mm-hmm. field of a specialist because you can think in mm-hmm. ways that you know they cannot because their nose is too deep to the you know too Mm-hmm. close to the grindstone that sort of idea that's mm-hmm. the reason why you know the governments like niti ayog or this company called innocentive that's why they 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 pull in like uh, suggestions from uh, the population to solve specific problems because this, they're, they're just mm-hmm. not as invested and they can see mm-hmm. problems from multiple perspectives so what sort of skills do you think people can can benefit from in 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 the future i know writing and speaking uh- definitely help Yeah, so communication skills, being able to translate your ideas from in from into an image, into a paragraph, into a, a poem or a, a speech is great. But I think the core skill that anyone needs to have is being able to understand first principles. Uh, you don't necessarily need to remember uh, how each molecule of of how one element will react to an, another. If, if you know the core fundamental principles of how orbits and spins work so understanding uh, the building blocks of whatever you're studying uh, whatever you are interested in is very very important uh, it could be understanding matrices are going that the go behind game design or uh, understanding the core fundamental building blocks of physics why if you are a theoretical physicist hmm. uh, that is the first skill that uh first principles so the first thing that people need to learn to foundational knowledge of temporary knowledge yeah and uh, as opposed to also data because okay. again that is something that you can outsource to someone else and it's it's going to be very interesting to see the next generation grow up the people the children who uh who are uh like khushboo uh, one of my co-founders and a, and a close friend has uh, was talking to us the other day and she was talking to us about her nephew and her nephew uh whenever in the family someone does something funny or someone breaks out into a dance in a celebration uh has a instinctive response of asking for the phone to take a photo 
because this three-year-old already knows that the job of recording something that is uh, that is unique, that is fun, that is exciting, can be outsourced to an external gadget, and they don't need to do it themselves. Mm. And that's deeply fascinating. Uh, we won't need to retain data anymore. We won't need to uh, pass through pages or remember pages and pages of uh, information. We don't need to compete in the spelling bee because autocorrect exists. Yeah. But isn't that, uh, that also uh, an antithesis of, you know, losing out on specific skills? Because, you know, what if we stop? What if we forget how to fucking add, add numbers, you know? What if we forget how to, um, you know, being able to just use your, your mind's gears to, to figure out the spellings of words, right? Uh, what if Socrates was, was famously opposed to writing. Yeah. I mean, wasn't all, yes. his, uh, all his teachings penned down by Aristotle? Yes. He was famously opposed to it because if, yeah, uh, yeah uh, he was famously opposed to it because, uh, again, to paraphrase, if... Uh, it, it would make the mind dull and weak if the job of the memory was taken away from it. Wow. Uh, that belief system still holds. Well, people, computers don't exist as people anymore. If someone can do mental maths really well, it's a good party trick. But there is no real reason <laughs> uh, why you should know that skill. Uh, it's great if you can spell a word that is 16 alphabets strong, but do you really need it? I mean, fuck. Do you honestly really need it? <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the times uh, that I was at the US and I took, I hated math classes in general, mm-hmm. but I had to take one mandatory, right? Uh-huh. And I was surprised to see that unlike India, unlike unlike CBSC boards, you know, mm. uh, where you had to memorize all the theorems, all the formulas, all the mm-hmm. ideas, right? Everything uh-huh. was given to you in a cheat sheet by the examiner and all you had to do was apply them. I was like, okay, that's why these kids are not as smart in math because, you know, we just are better at that. <laughs> so it, it was surprising to me that that, that was already outsourced. Um, this was back in mm-hmm. 20, 2016. But um, mm-hmm. so you say, so, so according to Socrates and now according to you, as you paraphrase it, there is no real advantage. No, right? so I, I, I'm, I'm opposed to uh, Socrates' belief. He, he, he was being a Luddite when he said, don't write. And okay. using him as a cautionary tale. Hmm. The same way people are now, no, autocorrect is bad. It, no, it's not. It's better. Yeah. It doesn't make you look like a fool when you, when you type something out wrong. So wait, do you write yourself? Yeah, I do. But uh, I always have my autocorrect and Grammarly on just to make sure. What about, what about the, the idea of writing, you know, using pen and paper, that sort of idea? I think, I think. Oh, I haven't he- held one in a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you. I don't know how to hold one anymore. That's weird, man. <laughs> I you would really like this. Uh, I have this. Uh, this uh, this person who came to my podcast. Her name is Aditi Sarana, and she's a graphologist. Mm-hmm. So what she does is she analyzes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's an incomplete analysis. She uses other other tools as well, but she analyzes your mm-hmm. personality traits based on your handwriting. And she's like, my majority of my clients are people who haven't held a pen and haven't written something in decades. Right? And it's like. So people forget how to write, but I, I still think there's, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a great, great skill. It's a, it's a refreshing feeling. I do it every single day, but I don't know. Yeah. Penmanship is, is craft at best, but, uh, if some, if a graphologist was to, uh, what, what to analyze my handwriting, uh, yeah. the analysis would be this is a three year old 
three year old kid learning how to write yeah cuz cuz you were not used to it yeah so talk to me about consistency and habits cuz considering that you realized that we're heading to a future where you know uh, skills will be the commodity mm-hmm. that you can you know buy your place at the table at and make sure that you're you know making money and and, and thriving w- what sort of skills are you looking to develop specifically and or i are developing mm-hmm. in the process i mean so uh, to complete the earlier thought one understanding first principles and two being able to connect vast disparate thoughts yeah uh, like you said uh, yeah yeah system thinking exactly uh, like you rightly said uh, uh, solutions come from unlikely places and that's where organizations like the xprize exist now the xprize is a fascinating or the xprize the mm-hmm. it's a fascinating organization that puts bounties on problems that that happen around you that that humanity is facing and if you win the bounty the your solution is open sourced and uh, and the, the and humanity has benefited uh they have put bounties on everything from by the way i get emails from <laughs> this my this parallel company called mind sumo and they have prices for okay. several so several mm-hmm. companies who have sort of mm-hmm. uh solutions that can be you know extrapolated to the rest of humanity mm-hmm. so they'll put these mm-hmm. out and and each one will have a price saying $500 $5000 that sort of thing so i, I mm-hmm. think i think there's there's so, more than one company then hmm. Yeah so Xprize talks cool. about only that only larger issues it talks about everything from space travel to uh, water desalination to uh, stopping oil spills to uh, to uh, urban agriculture so larger issues and the bounties range from anywhere from million dollars to 10 million dollars right and the rule sets are very defined this is the cost we need these are the metrics that need to need to hit uh uh the solution to that the bounty they, and again I'll send you a link about this in you can put sure. it in the description i put it in the do- uh, description the, yeah 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 the solution to uh, ocean spillage came from four unlikely uh, uh, engineers from uh, from the us who had nothing to do with oil spillage or uh, ocean engineering they just knew from their day job on how to clean up oil really fast i i think i know about this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh similarly uh the idea that you put a bounty on a, on 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 a on a problem and ask people from different disciplines to come together allows some allows for different people from different disciplines who wouldn't normally be at the table to talk yeah. to each other uh and uh, that is one skill that i think is going to define uh leaders now while i'm not a big fan of jobs his mm. core skill was not coding he never wrote, wrote a line of code in his, uh, in his uh, life jobs steve jobs yeah uh, yeah i thought he meant like uh, jobs as in like actual jobs no sorry no yeah steve jobs uh yeah. his his core skill was not coding his core skill was in design uh, uh johnny ive did most of his uh, popular designs uh, his core skill wasn't also marketing he had entire teams for that uh what he knew was to be the, the generalist in the center making all these disparate ideas work together to create a cohesive product right um and that is i think what is the core skill of the future being being a systems thinker mm-hmm. and that is and the first step to doing that is is breaking away from this romance of simplifying things things are not simple they are not meant to be simple the world is complex everything from choosing your partner to choosing where to live in has multiple uh, variables that you need to account for and sometimes the decisions need to happen very very quickly so we need to train ourselves to think com- uh, to come to think 
to account for multiple variables in a short span of time uh and uh, games films books that allow you to deal with complex ideas and parse them simultaneously uh are a good way of training people to think that way yeah so what would you say to people who are who still find themselves cognitively overloaded by the complexities that they face every single day what what is the way um, to job at it uh now i don't have a different answer to that and uh, which is why i we can speculate yeah my yeah my day job is doing is creating tools for exactly that uh with shasan i've created tools for understanding uh modern politics my next few ga- uh, games deal with other complex structures that we find ourselves in hmm. uh and my job is to and job of content creators is to break down the most cutting edge ideas in science and philosophy into hmm. very very consumable units of culture uh so if they are not able to break through complexity and understand things all they need to do is uh there are two parts of the problem one they need to keep at it and keep understand keep trying uh to deal with complex ideas and keep trying to juggle multiple thoughts at the same time while uh while pressurizing content creators to tell deeper complex nature stories uh, and not incentivize uh reactive uh content creators with likes shares ticket money take away the vanity metrics and everyone will stop selling you junk food you know that that's a yeah, good idea exactly and junk culture yeah junk culture is a thing yeah, it man, took us 40 I, years to it took us 40 years to agree that junk culture is possibly a thing and it should be bad and could be bad for you and you should eat healthier you are what you eat you are also what you watch on and what you consume i'm 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 thorough on this yeah. so there's So my entire COVID nineteen uh, routine mm-hmm. has been to mm-hmm. try out this low media diet that the Tim Ferriss keep preaching, keeps preaching. I felt a mm-hmm. need for it, right? What I find mm-hmm. is a couple mm-hmm. of things happen. Um, this is something that you know, Cal Newport, the the famous author mm-hmm. of Digital Minimalism and Deep Work, and another book called mm-hmm. So Good They Be So Good They Can't Ignore You, talks about how mm-hmm. we've lost touch with solitude and boredom, but not in that sort of trite sense where he's just you know shaming you. But he says that fundamentally, mm-hmm. what's happening is you know. since we're parsing through a news feed of random information mm-hmm. while thinking mm-hmm. about what ways to buy for a apartment while also dealing mm-hmm. with theoretical problem in your head right your attention is fragmented right and with fragmented mm-hmm. attention you lose out right and so his hypothesis which i beginning to believe the more i think about it is to not mm-hmm. lose your mind is to rem- is to is to keep still amid all this chaos mm-hmm. is to violently edit out uh, as mm-hmm. much randomness as you can in in this mm-hmm. junk food domain and then but entertain randomness in your physical world what do you mm-hmm. think about that how do you focus how do you make sense of uh, you know junk culture and 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 trying to think among among all of these different distractions so i think i believe in not filtering out randomness i think, I think uh, I random, filtering out randomness filtering yeah. filtering out randomness uh, leads to uh, echo chambers i love randomness i love hearing opposing views uh, yeah what i believe in is 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 filtering out things that are not good for you so if you see a a really really fun meme but uh, you sp- or a great cooking video but mm-hmm. you're not going to be cooking anytime soon or cooking that thing anytime soon uh, or those deeply satisfying montages yeah uh, or or celebrity gossip and none of that has any u- utility for you and it might but if it doesn't just unfollow 
Facebook and Google have created algorithms that are that are deeply engineered to give you what you like. Now you can reverse engineer these algorithms to right. and no manufacture your own news feed where it's devoid of junk culture. So every time you find junk on your feed, uh, don't show me more of this. Every time you do that on your Google News, on your Facebook, on your Twitter feed, everywhere, uh, curate. Uh, allow randomness to exist. Allow uh, things that uh, allow topics that you wouldn't be uh, interested in otherwise to come your way. But if after consuming it, you feel, hey, this is useless, just move it out. Or this is uh, this is appealing to more primal instincts. Filter it out. Hmm. So again, stay random, but uh, make sure you're, you're eating clean, uh, clean protein and carbs in your culture, not not fat and sugar. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so what is your what is your media diet look like though? Because here's what I want to get at, right? So considering mm-hmm. that you are a knowledge worker, considering that you know your thesis mm-hmm. around the sort of thing that you want to do in life is to is to decomplexify mm-hmm. these systems and make them consumable for people to understand the world that we're in and to gamify a lot of the. Mm-hmm. the hardness that is out there uh, how mm-hmm. d- do you focus like what is what is what is your what is your daily routine look like right it could be it doesn't have to be grand maybe you say like you know i, I watch four hours of simpsons and i'll be fine with that but i'm trying to understand mm-hmm. that you know uh, how are you able mm-hmm. to retain mm-hmm. almost complete but always searching for the truth-esque uh, you know uh, hypotheses around all of these different subjects without mm-hmm. being constantly bombarded by all the stimulus. I use the mute features and the unfollow features vigorously. But even mm-hmm. then that I find that you have to create physical separations between the sort of media that you consume and, and what is your work, right? So so that's mm-hmm. what I want to get at. So I I have what would classically be called terrible consum- consumption habits, but I don't think so. Uh, I consume everything all the time. Uh, yeah. To a point that it uh, uh, it borders on uh, being uh, attention deficit. Uh, I uh, I am constantly consuming the content on Facebook, on Google News, on uh, uh, on uh, everything from Nine Gag to Reddit to Four Chan. Uh, I'm constant uh, to Google Dot Scholar to books that I'm reading. Uh, I wake up in the morning consuming things, and I'm consuming all day long. Uh, the only thing that I don't consume a lot of is fiction because I have no patience for it. Interesting. Even though I dabble in creating it, I have no patience for fiction. Uh, apart from occasional TV show or, or, or a series that I follow, I rarely watch films, fiction films, or uh, or I have not read a fiction book in a decade. What's the what's the aversion to fiction? Is it because you're like, I know what's going to happen? I, have you no, figured it's out? Boring. It's much ado about about nothing. Like I don't care about what what happened in the person's life. What is the idea behind it? Yeah. Give, give me the idea and move on with it. So you want to aggregate fast and move on. Yeah, I want to aggregate fast and move on, and I don't. I couldn't care less about what happened in the fictional character's life. Interesting. Yeah, and and it's funny that you know still so much of what you do is is based around stories, but you you come at it from mm-hmm. from a, a non uh, you know character. Uh, approach mm-hmm. it's, that's really fascinating it's, it's, so it's, I, I, yeah. I consume fiction and non-fiction uh, uh, so for characters I think non-fiction is a better place to go because what fiction does is create uh, loops of exaggeration someone created an archetype and then someone exaggerated it and then you have Tarantino making films about films where people are where people are referring to other films it's like why 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, apart from that exception, <laughs> I, I still, I still, what I will say about fiction is that it allows you, it allows you to imagine after you've read, and it allows you to imagine as mm -hmm. you go along. Um, I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. some some fiction can be very didactic. They'll say mm -hmm. exactly what, what what the person smells like. It's not needed. But great writing, you know, like some Russian writers, mm -hmm. like Chekhov, Dostoevsky, Indian writers like Jean mm -hmm. Tyle, right? They will paint pictures mm -hmm. and 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 they will they will aggregate and 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 mm -hmm. have detail when they have to uh, certain things mm -hmm. that you don't often think about but they just articulate it in a certain way and sort of allows you mm -hmm. to to give words mm -hmm. to 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 you know mm -hmm. stuff in life that isn't always mm -hmm. so formulaic so hard sciencey that's mm -hmm. it and that, you know mm -hmm. and that's the sort of school that i try to come from is is to uh -huh. is to see the multiple uh, you know like like a social profiling for once right is such a fascinating uh -huh. best friend and i used to do we used just to get high mm -hmm. These are our first mm -hmm. formative years of getting high, and we would just <laughs> drive around in cars and like just uh, you know look at that person and say, "Iski shadi ho rakhi hai." He has two kids, but he one of them is like sort of bad at school, and he definitely mm -hmm. scratches his balls. You know, like that sort of thing, and it allows you to do it, it. All of it comes mm -hmm. from fiction, from from watching and reading mm -hmm. stories. But yeah, that that's mm -hmm. my spiel for fiction because <laughs> I felt like you know someone must speak so fiction. <laughs> I consume fiction only academically to understand tropes, to understand structures, to understand narrative. Uh, okay. uh, patterns because when I do create them, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to repeat things that are obsolete. Uh, yeah. So to understand from academic and a professional understanding of fiction, uh, I. But I think uh, good fiction. Uh, it, it, it makes for good fiction when the world of fiction is is well uh, well painted. It's 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 well etched out the world is very very real and has very strong bearings in the world that we find ourselves in uh, so uh, my co-founder anand uh, was has been writing this uh, uh, film for a while and i have been helping him with the writing the film's called emergence and we started writing it in 2014 2015 and it's a film uh, about a global pandemic uh, and the idea was to call the film uh, to release the film sometime this year but we just kept writing it for a while and production and we are neck deep in pre production and now we realized that a lot of things that we predicted in the in the film have exactly panned out in the real world because our storytelling didn't come from from uh, our storytelling came from understanding science from understanding politics and understanding how the world actually functions why a pandemic would happen where it would happen how it would travel what was the, what would the world's reaction to it be and it's it's some places it's uncanny and some places we are like oh great now we don't have to do a lot of explaining that we wouldn't that we would have to do in the film in the first place interesting because the context is something for context change entirely and now we can we can talk we don't have to spend time talking about things that people already know about like mm -hmm. rates of infection and are not numbers uh, so a lot of fiction a lot of fiction that we create is deeply based around uh, uh, around uh, the world we see ourselves in uh, and uh, like for example uh, two of my other co-founders Pooja Shetty and Neil Pagidar are writing a, uh, have just finished shooting a science fiction comedy mm. uh, science fiction comedy yeah, with AI as one of the central themes, I can't tell you more right now. But uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of work in 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 the journey of creating this project has gone into studying the future of AI, mm. which is why uh, what.
right now is just referred information from what research they have done and passed, passed along my way. Uh, so as filmmakers, as storytellers, as game creators, we spend a lot of time uh, parsing through and studying the world around us because I think uh, I think that is what keeps the stories relevant, important, and urgent. Interesting. So uh, talk to me about how, because you said game, game designers, filmmakers, you know, and technologists. I don't know mm-hmm. if you mentioned technologists, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. but how, how does this, this set of... Uh, first of all, are these disparate people with, from disparate backgrounds? And second, mm-hmm. how do they come together? What 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 is the what do the idea jams look like, right? Uh, and and how mm-hmm. do you come around consensus? Do you follow? Do you guys follow a circular model like the Girl Scouts, where where one circle it's like concentric circle of of uh, you know talking and communication, or do you follow like a clear mm-hmm. hierarchy? How how do you how do you give these ideas to fruition? Is what I'm asking. It's a bit of both. Uh, when the idea is is being fleshed out, we hear everyone out. Everyone will play Shasan in its formative uh, few versions and and come come at it with their expertise, with their uh, with their interests and their insights. Uh, but everything while being very very collaborative is also driven driven by authors. So if I'm making something, I'm going to hear everyone out. But the final a call is of the author. So if Pooja and Neela are making something, everything you see in the film or the show is their authorship. None of us have any say on what goes in the final product, except them. Uh, none of us haven't had any say in an insignificant man uh, outside of uh, Kushbu and Vinay. And uh, while everyone was on board giving idea on Shasan, the final say was mine. So if I fuck up or if I create something that's worthwhile, I I bear the responsibility. I bear the glory. Yeah, so it's like you you will you will take input liberally, but you will put out something very conservatively, right? It's it's the same idea of being a director. Uh, uh, I wouldn't use the word conservatively. I would put out I would put out something with my own authorial stamp on it. It's my it's my it's my bottom line. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And and so you know, I mean, I could talk to Anand a fair bit about this, you know, in in hmm. the future because I would love to have hmm. you both on when all of this ends mm-hmm. to sort of you know like. To, to mm-hmm. a jumbo jam of conversations about you know mm-hmm. how people from disparate backgrounds are doing you know to not talk about like oh my god this is happening in India so cool but actually this is what I want to say this is happening mm-hmm. in India and it's so mm-hmm. cool um, what what uh, where exactly in culture do you find uh, meme, uh, memesis to be in right are you at the fringes are you, are you right with the indie crowd uh, what intersections are you, are you working in right now uh, so while we are, while we do not enjoy the same audience base as something that is more mainstream, like uh, like like traditional Bollywood, mm-hmm. uh, we are slowly making our way into uh, getting our ideas, uh, getting the ideas that excite us into more consumable formats. In the next one year, we have projects going out on uh, on three of the major OTT platforms. We have games that are going to be hitting wider and wider audience bases. The idea is to, uh, is, there, is a, uh, there is a great divide between what we consider sensible and what we can consider mainstream. Uh, what we consider important and what, what we consider mainstream. If anything is relevant, it's not mainstream. Uh, the idea is to not make it so. Uh, other countries, uh, other cultures have been able to talk about very important things, uh, been able to shape discourse through mainstream conversation. Uh, Michael Moore is a mainstream filmmaker in the US. Even though he makes documentaries, when his films get put up, everyone knows about them. Yeah. Uh, and the idea, uh, the idea is to 
create uh, create institution of of that of that repute out of India, telling stories of India for the first time, exporting content and culture to the world as opposed to importing uh, uh, culture. You and I both know, know the difference between Brooklyn and Harlem, uh, and we have haven't necessarily grown up, grown up, grown up there. We have imported so much culture from them, uh, uh, but uh, how many Americans know the difference between Bombay and Bangalore? Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk to you a bunch about this. It's 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 such a it's mm-hmm. such a pain point. It's I I make mm-hmm. so much fun of everyone who mm-hmm. writes in their bios. Mm-hmm. I will only mm-hmm. talk to you if you're a Friends fan, right? Because to mm-hmm. think of the ludicrous concept of jacking <laughs> off to the refuse the '90s refuse of a sitcom that was made in America in 2020 mm-hmm. is pathetic, right? And and thanks to yeah, and it hasn't aged well, and that doesn't help. Absolutely not, man. <laughs> Most of these things have not, right? You just have to look at the stuff that we're doing. I mean, thankfully now we're doing stuff in the OTT mm-hmm. content space, but mm-hmm. it's it's so sad that to fill the gaps that we can't fulfill mm-hmm. ourselves through our own mm-hmm. stories and myths, because you know they also mm-hmm. been hijacked by some of our politicians who are you know <laughs> of a certain firebrand. But 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 the point wow. is this: like because we don't have access to our own culture, stories, and myths, and we don't have access to what does and we haven't spent time creating new myths. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't, right? So what we're basically doing is we're 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 wearing the ref- we're wearing the utran of the West, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying mm-hmm. this in some sort of like you know, uh, fucking like oh everything is bad about the West and look we're sort of self defeatist. But in a way, I'm I am saying that we could do a lot better by by start to by starting to construct our own stories. So we don't have. So it's it's very funny. Like when I when I went to the US. I would know certain things about the USA so much better than, than people mm-hmm. living there. Mm-hmm. I had that outsider's perspective, right? I wanted that badge. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, and I've had so many friends there. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on someone's podcast very recently who's a Lebanese friend mm-hmm. who also lives in the US. Mm-hmm. He says that, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, aren't you getting people from the Indian community on your podcast? And that's exactly my point because he wasn't able to mm-hmm. grasp the niche of, of what I'm trying to do because from the outside, it's like, oh, Indian talking to Indians, right? Whereas I know exactly mm-hmm. what he's doing with, or what, what Joe Rogan is doing with his podcast. He's getting a bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, he's getting a bunch of fighters, a bunch of comedians, a bunch of thinkers, that sort of thing. I can lay it out. He can. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's very important for, for Indians uh, not to make a grand signing claim here, to, st- to start behaving as if they're not blips on the global radar and to start behaving in a way where uh, we value our niches and we learn about them. We are one-sixth the world's population by conservative estimate. So, yeah. uh, and we should be occupying uh, at least one sixth of the cultural space. space. Uh, and the idea that India is not a monolithic culture has great niches, great subcultures, great uh, uh, pockets of different kinds of culture. And as you travel to the nation, you want, or the subcontinent, even I wouldn't even I would call it the Indian subcontinent, uh, where everything from uh, from uh, from Pakistan to Sri Lanka to Nepal has such great culture. And just mm-hmm. and the culture, the historic culture doesn't even need to be great. And I don't even claim that the historic culture is the best in the world. It's it's yeah. old and much of it is outdated. Uh, but we need to be telling stories of people from here, people uh, to people of the nation, inspiring them and be of and exporting the stories to the world out there. Yeah, like you said, staking our claim on the cultural sphere that is India or the Indian subcontinent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. American podcasters, American uh, journalists, American filmmakers do a great job of making American culture 
cool and accessible john oliver makes politics fun uh adam mckay made uh made the 2008 financial crisis fun in big shot uh and it's everyone's talking about it in a cool fun way and uh, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what filmmakers need to do mm. we the best compliment you can give an indian creator hey is that hey that this doesn't seem like it came out of india and that's sad yeah man yeah yeah <laughs> it's there's something about there's something about you know trying to get past the tropes of snake charmers and elephants uh and and you know uh exotica and monkeys and mangoes and everyone mm-hmm. laughing and everyone dancing but they're far more convenient and that's what we pedal you know it's like and this, we need to work yeah we need to work harder absolutely this is what my favorite author g tile says is like he's like you know i wanted to pay, portray a picture of 70s bombay where half you know half mm-hmm. of the city's dregs uh dregs as in like you know pe- people who are out down and out mm-hmm. of their luck are spending time in these opium dens getting high and you know it's it's and so he wanted to say mm-hmm. like look this is a part of india i mean he was clearly writing for the english audience here in india okay really mm-hmm. also internationally he wasn't trying mm-hmm. to say okay look at the wine color days and everyone sitting in the colonial bungalow enjoying the mangoes and the servant is mm-hmm. right in the corner and he's like and the saheb mm-hmm. and the maim saab are sitting there and blah 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 it's all fun and frolic you know the girls are little girls are wearing frocks and the boys are wearing shorts and they're all like you know enjoying the sunlight and now they're by the mm-hmm. sea it's 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 it well you know certain parts of india are very much idyllic i think i think what doesn't get communicated is the nuance and it doesn't get communicated mm-hmm. very well abroad whereas like mm-hmm. you said before you know that's how we started this sort of uh, tangent is is we know exactly the difference between brooklyn and harlem but they they don't know what what you know what mumbai what is the difference between bandra or varsova that sort of thing that's you really that's still too much say. bombay and bangalore like just let's talk about two different cities in two different corners yeah. <laughs> right right absolutely man yeah so I, i'm really glad about there this is the other sort of thing that i think about often is like you know some some content that is made in regional languages does really well but uh, in i think what it is doing is communicating how awesome mm-hmm. our, our culture is to to our own countrymen i think because of the the, the universality of the english language not a lot of us have come mm-hmm. have done have commanded it so much that you know some of our best content can be in english so that we're making for international audiences i think what is happening mm-hmm. right now is worse we need to educate ourselves that we're great and then we can you know start extrapolating out to the world mm-hmm. and uh, it's also it's uh, so a lot of the gatekeepers of indian culture and content are people who are not in the content game for content they are in it to make a quick buck and for the fame of it and uh, yeah and that's deeply saddening it's not going to survive because uh, again they they time will kick them out but uh, banksy once said that it's uh, i've met so many great artists who are willing to die for their craft but so few willing to uh, to learn how to paint uh, <laughs> so true that is so true uh, and uh, and if you look at the top crossing games out of india do you have any idea what what, what those could be Or the, the biggest game out of India, uh, Ludo and Carrom. Yeah. Digital games. Yeah. Ludo and Carrom. I have no idea that Karim. they were uh, played abroad. Oh, no, in India, they're not being played abroad. They're being played by Indians. But what Indians are doing, Indian creators are doing, is they are they are peddling lazy work out there. Yeah. And uh, what lazy work does is it doesn't 
while it might help you capture the market in the short term it also kills the market um uh, everything from dota to pubg didn't arise out of someone playing it safe it arrived out of someone someone being inventive counter strike dota league of legends uh pubg and fortnite some of the money they were built by small independent creators sitting out of their bedrooms making custom maps for games that already existed they were innovating on games that already existed that's one thing all the big games have in common pubg was made by brendan green uh, as a map for arma uh, dota was made by a bunch of people uh, including winsu icefrog and a few others uh, for warcraft 3 uh, counter strike was a mod for half life which was then sold in the orange box later uh these were creators trying to create new fun content sorry one second yeah uh, these were creators trying to create new fun content and uh, like them hundreds of other creators tried these one these new formats clicked and created industries that are worth tens of billions of dollars uh what scan what what ludo is going to do is push uh innovators out of the market because they won't be able to survive and keep the market at the small pie that 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 there is yeah uh, we are going to keep like you said no one out of india plays ludo because why would they but everyone from india plays pubg which is a game that was uh uh innovative from the west uh being hired by a korean developer then being acquired by a chinese corporation and being played as the most played game in india that's the market size that we are missing out on Yeah, it's insane. In fact, when I was trying to when I was went to buy those we uh you know those those mm-hmm. board games business and uh, mm-hmm. chess. Mm-hmm. Uh since the the regular shopkeeper wasn't there, it was his son, so you can imagine like a rookie mm-hmm. trying to learn the art mm-hmm. of of you know mm-hmm. sales and you know is my toy or toy in 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 the mm-hmm. era of the pandemic. And uh, mm-hmm. he was a bit clueless, right? But I wanted to test him. I wanted to see like how far he could be this the shopkeeper you know like this sort of idea where mm-hmm. certain shopkeepers will enthusiastically show you ye naya product aaya mm-hmm. is type se ye naya wala game aaya right mm-hmm. so i was trying to jog mm-hmm. his his sales muscles to see how far i could stretch it and i said so you mm-hmm. know I've, i've already played ludo and all of these games so give me a different board game so he went mm-hmm. to the back of the store and he came out with this game right and and so he he was avoiding eye contact and you know i understand you know people are sometimes socially awkward mm-hmm. but then then i looked right i really came up close to him and looked into his eyes like i asked him so what is this game about and he tried his best to explain it to me and you know he wasn't the best at it it was called sequence 4 it's a new game that's come out i don't know uh but mm-hmm. as he was trying to explain it i was thinking about the people i would play it with and i'm like you know they're not necessarily open to to mm-hmm. this this new found complexity like hey guys this is a yeah. new board game that we're going to play they're like no 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 Mm-hmm. bring the traditional classics in bring ludo and bring caram in bring some mm-hmm. city in right mm-hmm. bring some kind mm-hmm. of uh, an indian variation of cards in we don't want to experiment with i mean it, the, the fucking time it took for jenga to become a you know uh, cafe coffee day type of ca- cafe classic is is years and mm-hmm. years so it it's very interesting to see how a lot of us are still getting warmed up to the idea that you know there there might be more to our mm-hmm. past times than we're led to believe from all these tropes mm-hmm. that we constantly consume and i'm mm-hmm. really really excited for what comes next in terms of 
our generations getting slightly older and having slightly more interesting more complex hobbies like practicing mm-hmm. movement in, instead of practicing push-ups right or mm-hmm. uh, for for instance you know trying to meditate on a serious question instead of trying to do uh, mm-hmm. pranayama so it's 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 an interesting sort of world mm-hmm. that we're in um but um man it's uh, zion it's been so much fun talking to you it's arguably been the podcast where i have just been my my mind has been happy i have been happy is 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 what i want to say so, so thank you so much for doing this man uh, thank you for having me yeah man i i as soon as uh, the pandemic gets over and we can all move i would love to have you in person uh, to to talk more about about these things mm-hmm. to jam jam further mm-hmm. because i i really believe not to sound like some a newscaster reading off you know uh, specific salient features about what you do best but <laughs> I, i i really i really believe this i really believe that mm-hmm. that your ability to parse through disciplines and then combine them based on first principles and then and then not stop mm-hmm. at that that intellectual arrogance that might come with i know everything mm-hmm. but then trying to constantly figure it out to make it useful for mm-hmm. people and is is you know it's it's a bloody testament to what you can do when you when you just you know really put your mind to solving problems for the world and you know i i i wish you the best in these endeavors and thank you I, so much i really hope that you know we meet once this ends so i can talk bunch yes. and, uh, you know eat your brain out about all of these things Awesome. Thank I'm, you so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's. I'm I'm also with this podcast. I'm also trying to mm-hmm. aggregate, aggregate as mm-hmm. much as I can with the, the mm-hmm. thinkers, the thought leaders in India, and and create like a visual archive and an audio archive, uh, so that people might might look at them and and get some sort of uh, a roving masterclass in in um, in in mm-hmm. all of these fields without having to. fully invest them in a 6 month course that doesn't that isn't you know in sync with what the ground reality looks like so thank you zayan thank you so much uh, it was great being here it's great talking to you i hope we can continue conversation maybe in a follow up maybe hopefully in person uh i and yeah thanks for having me